You're listening to a presentation of The Rising, a community of faith, a church designed to see people far from God raised to true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. I want to tell you uh, that one guy, Kevin, who uh, baptized both Ashley and Heather earlier, he had the, he had the hat on. That is uh, Kevin's fourth person that he's baptized. Uh, he's brought over 20 people to this church. Yeah. He baptized his friend Clint, and then he also baptized his friend George, who then George turned around and baptized his wife and his daughter. And if Kevin hadn't have brought his, their family, that never would have happened. So I count those as people Kevin baptized too. And then we just saw him baptize two more people. That's why it's so important to bring people. That's why we talk about bringing people. I mean, just, just think about the people in your life who you would get the privilege to stand in the water with them and you would be the one to lower them in the waters all because you brought them. You know some people who are hurting in your life. You know some people who need grace. You need some people who need to discover uh, another way. And what if you had the opportunity to be the one to stand in the waters and lower them down and see them raised to new life? Man, let's give it up for Kevin one more time. That's just, yeah. he, he inspires me. He, um, he, he really, he inspires me, man. One of the great privileges of meeting at the Norva, too, is that you get to see um, random confetti drop from the sky uh, every once in a while. And so I love that. It's great. It's like, it's like God's little message to us. Um, here's some confetti. Um, hey, I don't know if you could tell this or not, uh, but I go to the gym about four times a week. Uh, I, I hope you can tell. I mean, I work hard. I, I put in work when I'm there. Sometimes I go five times a week. Uh, most of the time it's four times, though, because I skip leg day, because uh, I hate leg day, right? It's torture to me. Some people love leg day. They say every day is leg day. I say there's something wrong with you. Um, cause, cause I just don't understand why you would do that. But recently I haven't been skipping leg day. I've been, uh, like I went this week on Thursday, worked out my legs, because I'm trying to get some mighty oaks, you know? Um, but sometimes when I go to the gym, I'll see some people there, and, and I look at them, and I wonder what they're doing, because I don't, I don't think they know what they're doing, and so I'll see them on a, on a certain piece of gym equipment, and they're misusing it and abusing it, because they have no clue what the purpose is, and, and when I see this, um, I, I'm not the guy who will go up to you and be like, hey, you're doing it wrong. I'll just s stand there and look at you and, and laugh inside, and I'll think, what are you doing? Like, like, where did you get that from? Who, who told you how to do that? Well, Pastor, I don't think that's very nice. You shouldn't judge people like that. Well, I know. I know, but it's funny, so I do it. <laughs> they don't ever know. But um, you're the reason I don't go to the gym. Well, sorry. Um, but, but it fascinates me, though, when I'm at the gym, and, and I'll see somebody doing something like this. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. 
Now I'll let you know, I didn't capture that video. All right, I'm not, I'm not that mean. But, but I'll be at the gym, and I'll see somebody doing something like that, and I'll just sit and look at them, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Where did you get that? Don't you know that that piece of equipment wasn't designed that way? The, the purpose for that equipment isn't that. And if you just knew the purpose, then you'd use it in a proper way and get the results that you're looking for. Today, as we continue this series, Everything is Spiritual, uh, I want to I show you the purpose for something. I want to explain to you why something was made. Because just like we misuse and abuse gym equipment because we don't know the proper purpose and, and, and the reason why it was made, I think many times we abuse and misuse this thing because we don't understand what it was made for. We don't understand its purpose. And the thing that I want to explain to you today, the, the, the thing I want to talk to you about, the, the, the purpose for, is you. I want to explain to you what your purpose is and, and why you were designed and, and what you were made for. Because I believe that many people misuse and abuse their lives because they don't understand their purpose. They don't know why they were designed or what they were made for. I, I believe that what happens is many people live a life less than God's best for them because they don't understand their purpose. And so in the remaining 32 minutes and 16 seconds that I have with you, I just want to reintroduce you to you. I, I want to remind you about who you are. Now, there's a danger in a sermon like this, and, and the danger is this, that you could see it as inspirational, that, that you could say, man, that's so inspiring, and as you leave, you could say, I'm gonna try and remember that uh, as I leave, but the problem with inspiration is that it fades. And so my prayer for you this morning is that you wouldn't see this as inspirational, but as impartational, that, that you would see this as a revelation directly from God to you about your identity and who you are. My, my prayer for you today is that you would uh, look back on today and say, that was a day that everything shifted for me. That was a day that my life changed. My, my hope and prayer is that this would be a defining moment for you because you would finally understand your identity, or, or for some of you, you would be reminded of your true identity. Because it, it's fun watching people misuse and abuse gym equipment. Like, it, it's fun watching that. But it's not as fun watching people misuse and abuse their lives because they didn't realize that they were made for more. It, it, it's not as fun abusing and misusing your own life because you didn't realize that you were made for more. Like, it, it's not as fun when you misuse and abuse your life because you didn't realize that God created you for a greater purpose and had a greater plan for your life. It's not as fun to engage in drugs and alcoholism, succumbing to an addiction, because you didn't realize that you were made for more. It's not as fun jumping from one relationship to another, from one bed to another, giving your body from one person to another because you didn't realize you were made for more. It's not as fun being married to somebody and living like roommates because you live like married singles as opposed to being a married team because you didn't realize that you were made for more. It, it's not as fun uh, being imprisoned in your own insecurities, not living the true life God has called you to because you didn't realize that you were made for more. So can I just tell you today who you are? Can, can I just remind you about your purpose and the plan God has for your life? I just need permission from one person. Okay, good. I'll do that then. See, he, here's the thing. I, I think many of us, miss our purpose and the plan that God has for our life because we don't understand how we were created and we don't understand how God designed us to be. What I mean is this, uh, you are not a body, but you're a spirit in a body. You're not a body, you're a spirit in a body. Who you are is not what you see, but who you are is what you don't see inside of you. You're a spirit in a body, 
let me, let me give you some evidence for this. Um, you, have, you have some hopes and dreams and desires, right? Now, if I were to ask you, uh, where are these hopes, dreams, and desires located, uh, where would you say? Maybe, maybe some of you would say, well, they're in my heart. My hopes, dreams, and desires are in my heart. But if we were to split open your chest, cut open your heart, we wouldn't see hopes, dreams, and desires there. We, we wouldn't find envy there. We, we wouldn't see joy inside your heart. It, it, it's intangible. If, if you were to say, well, well, it's in my mind. Well, if we cut open your brain, we wouldn't see pictures of your memories. We, we wouldn't see pictures of all your past experiences, of all the things that have shaped you to be who you are. And so, and so where is love? Where is love located? Where, where is hope? Where is, where is greed? Where is shame? Where is guilt? Where are all these things located? It's intangible. It's your spirit. See, you are a spirit in a body. And your spirit is going to live in your body for about 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe even 100 years. But at the end of your life, your body is going to die. And your spirit is going to go somewhere. Your spirit, your spirit is going to spend all of eternity in one of two places, depending on what you decide to do with Jesus. If, if you come to a place where you accept the sacrifice Jesus made for you on the cross, believing that he died for you to forgive you, you, you make him the leader of your life by following him and by being immersed into him like we saw these four people do just earlier. If you make the decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus, then when your body dies and your spirit leaves, then you'll go to be with God in heaven for eternity. Because if you enter into a relationship with him here in this life, eternity is simply an extension of that. However, if you choose to reject the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, that he died for you on the cross, and you say, I don't really want a relationship with you, then when your body dies, your spirit will go uh, into all eternity being separated from God in a place called hell. And listen, I, I don't tell you that to scare you. I tell you that so that you know the reality that's facing you. You are a spirit in a body. Your body is not going to be here forever, but your spirit is going to live on in one of two places, depending on what you have decided to do with Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity right now, and just really for the rest of our time together, if you've never made the decision to accept Christ, to believe that he died for you on the cross, taking your sin, your shame, your guilt on himself, crucifying it on the cross, forgiving you, if you've never made the decision to accept him by believing that, by saying, Jesus, I want to make you the leader of my life, I want to follow you, and by being immersed into him, I want to give you that opportunity to make that decision today. When you came in, you received a program, and at the bottom of your program is a connect card. At the bottom of that connect card, there's a box that says, I want to accept Christ and be baptized. If that's you today, would you mark that box? Take that card to the black tables at the back as you leave and hand it to the person at the I have decided table and say, I need to accept Jesus. I'm ready to be baptized into him. And we want to talk to you about that decision and we want to set you up to get baptized. But the truth is you're a spirit in a body and your spirit is going to spend all of eternity somewhere and it's up to you where you go. I want to, I want to give you a little more evidence um, as to the truth that you're a spirit in a body. Um, and I need somebody to help me with this. Um, I need somebody to join me on stage who, uh, you're going through something difficult right now. You don't have to share the details of it, but I do want you to tell us how you feel about it. You're going through something difficult right now. It's tough. Uh, maybe, maybe you're battling um, 
some things in your past, an identity that you've held with you all this time, and you still live in that identity, and you're trying to overcome that. Maybe it's a difficult time in your life right now. Um, you got diagnosed with something. You know somebody who did. Uh, your marriage is on the rocks. Your kids are going crazy. I don't know. But I need somebody who right now, you're going through something difficult, and you're willing to help me out by, by just sharing how you feel about it. Again, you don't have to go into the details. You don't have to give us specifics. But, but I want to help you out right now. Can I get somebody to help me out with this? And here's the thing. Everybody's going through difficulties. So I know it's a majority of people in this room. But I wonder, is anybody who's, who's brave enough just to share just how you're feeling about what you're going through right now? Can I get somebody to help me out with this? You'll help me out? Come on up. Right here in the gray. Yeah. It's all good. And so tell us your name. Brooke. Brooke? Yeah. All right. Um, Brooke, you said you're going through something difficult right now. Can you just share with us um, how you feel about that? You can share whatever you'd like. Sure. So I'm not going to tell you guys what it was because I don't think you guys want to know. But right now I'm feeling very lonely, I guess, and unloved. Okay. So... And Brooke, what is the thing, in light of that, what is the thing that you want most right now? Hmm. Um, I guess to feel a part of something and to feel loved and needed by God and, and everyone. <laughs> gotcha. And so here's, here's what we're going to do, Brooke, because I want to help you out. Um, what I'd like for you to do for the next 30 seconds um, I don't know if you believe in God or not, but I want you to, we're going to pray for you, Brooke. I want you to pray for Brooke. But when I say I want you to pray for her, I don't mean I want you to just say some words or think some thoughts. I want you to pray for her like you would want somebody to pray for you. I want you to, to reach deep down inside of you, all the energy, all the, all, everything that you have, and I want you to pray for Brooke and send, send that energy her way. Um, pray like you would want somebody to pray for you. For the next 30 seconds, we're going to do that. And then, Brooke, I'm going to pray for you, all right? All right. God, I thank you for Brooke, and I pray that right now you would let her know that you haven't forsaken her or abandoned her, but you're with her and you love her. God, you love her so much that you gave your life for her, and I pray that that becomes a reality for her, that she knows that she's not alone, God. She may feel lonely, but you've never abandoned her, and God, let her know that. Let that be a reality for her here and now, and God, I pray that that's enough for her. God, I pray that she would know that she's surrounded by people who love her, who care for her, even though it may look different, that she's loved and cared for. And God, I pray that you would take the loneliness away, that you would give her hope and peace in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, Brooke, before um, I have you go sit back down, I just want to ask you, 
how do you feel now? I feel great. <laughs> I feel your energy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. Would you give it up for Brooke? There you are. Can, okay, never mind. Just don't fall. Thanks. What we did for 60 seconds was pray. See, Brooke came up feeling a certain way, lonely, isolated, needing love. For 30 seconds, I asked you to pray for her like you would want somebody to pray for you. And then I prayed for her. That's all we did. Afterwards, she said she feels great. Here's, here's what happened. During that time, your spirit inside you connected with God's spirit and connected with her spirit. All we did was pray. This is what prayer is. It's when our spirit connects with God's spirit and changes something. Just then, something shifted in her life. Because the truth is, you're a spirit in a body. Here's how the Apostle Paul explains it in 2 Corinthians. He says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. He's saying the earthly tent, that's our body. If our body is destroyed, then we have a, a, a heavenly building. We, we have a resurrected body, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, in this body, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose, God designed you this way. You're a spirit inside of a body. The one who fashioned us for this very purpose has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What this is saying is that God, when you come to a place where you believe in Jesus, you follow him and you're immersed into him, God's spirit comes to live inside of you and keeps your spirit company. And so if you're a Christian this morning, then you have God's spirit living in you, leading you and guiding you and teaching you. His spirit is communing with your spirit in your body because you're a spirit in a body. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in this body, whether good or bad. All of this to say... You're not just a body. You're not just what you see, but you're a spirit in a body. That's who you are. And because you're a spirit in a body headed for a heavenly home, it means that what we do here and now matters. Because you're a spirit in a body longing for heaven, it doesn't mean that we just wait and, and, and wait till we die, but we live the life of heaven here and now. This is why Paul says, for we live by faith, not by sight. For we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. See, if you understand 
that you're a spirit in a body and you're headed for heaven, then it means that this isn't all there is to life. Then it means that when you're faced with various decisions in life, you keep eternity in mind and you say, wait, 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 I'm a spirit in a body headed for my home and so how should I live now? See, because we're headed toward heaven, it means that we need to live the life of heaven here and now. Like, when we talk about following God and doing the right thing, doing, making the wise choice, it, it's not because we're supposed to. It's not because that's just what you're supposed to do and you got to be a good person. But we do that because we're spirits in bodies and we're headed toward our home. Our home is heaven. And so how is life in heaven? Well, then that's what I need to practice here and now. See, Christians are called to live the way that they live, not, not to keep some rules, not for some regulations, but because this is practice for then. It's not just about there and then, but it's about here and now. And so because of that, here's how we live. Because we're a spirit and a body, we give grace to people. Because we've needed grace. And heaven is a place of grace. To, to understand that you're a spirit and a body means that, that you forgive people. Because heaven is a place of forgiveness. To, to understand the truth that you're a spirit and a body means that you believe the best in people. Because heaven isn't a place where we assume the worst. It means that you solve problems instead of create problems. It means that you deflate drama by refusing to gossip because heaven isn't a place of gossip. See, when you understand who you are, then it'll determine how you live. If you understand that you're a spirit in a body and you're headed to a heavenly home, then it changes everything about how you live here and now. Because this is practice for where we're headed. And so because of this, we need to nourish our spirit. We need to grow our spirit. We need to feed our spirit because that's who you are. That's, that's, why, that's why we can't make church a convenience option. Well, if, if everything fits, uh, if everything goes with the flow, if I don't have anything else planned, if I didn't stay up late on Saturday night, then, then I'll go. See, we can't make church a convenience option. And here's the thing, too. We don't go to church. We are the church. Right? Church is not some place you go. It's who you are. And when we gather together like this, it's so that our spirit can soar. Because when we gather like this and we sing together uh, as, as one person, uh, breathing the same words, uh, breathing with one breath, singing to the God who sits on the throne of the universe, and we're reminded that we're not in this alone, but he's seated on the throne, and he's bigger than anything we can face. When we do that, our spirit soars. Our, our spirit is nourished. Our, our, our spirit is replenished. When we gather together like this and we hear the word of God, broken open for us and, and, and uh, imparted into our spirit, it, it changes us, it transforms us. I hear people week after week, they come up to me and they say, Pastor, I wasn't going to come today, but I'm so glad I did because God spoke to me. And I said, I know. He's going to speak to you every week if you'll let him. I mean, I don't hear the people who say, I, he didn't speak to me. They don't talk to me, I guess. They just leave. Um, but I hear it all the time. I've never heard anybody say, I'm, I'm, I wish I didn't come. But people always say, I'm so glad that I came. But here's the thing, when you're not here, you miss that. You miss what God wants to say to you. It's every week, see, we can't make it a convenience option. It's every week that we're reminded that Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. I don't know about you, but I need that weekly reminder of grace to get me through the next week. 
We're reminded that Jesus went to the cross when we observe communion. At the end of the sermon, we're going to have people on our VIP team come down. They're going to pass out trays. And those trays are stacks of cups. The bottom cup has a piece of bread that reminds us that Jesus' body was broken for us. The top cup has some juice that reminds us that his blood was shed so that we could be forgiven and, and, and we were given life. And during the last song, feel free to take communion anytime during that. Uh, but it's a reminder, once again, of the grace that we received. And when we experience something like this, our spirit soars. See, we got to feed and nourish our spirit. Craig Rochelle uh, the, the pastor of Life Church, uh, the biggest church in our country, uh, said this. He said that the average Christian goes to church once a month. I've heard some studies that say the average Christian goes to church once every six weeks. We want to experience victory in our life, yet we starve our spirit because we don't make time to make this gathering a priority. I tell people this. Um, I say, if, if it wouldn't keep you from going to work on Monday... Don't let it keep you from going to church on Sunday. See, like, on Monday morning, it could be pouring down rain, but you're going to work because you're getting a paycheck. On Sunday, you wake up, look outside, there's a cloud. Oh, we'll go next week. Right? I'll just listen to the podcast. I'll sleep in. Right? No, for real. When it rains, our attendance drops. <laughs> we can't make church a convenience option. Like, we, we schedule our vacations around work. Well, I got to make sure to get back on Sunday night so I can get to work on Monday. What if instead we said, we got to make sure to get back Saturday night so we can get to church on Sunday because I got to feed my spirit. See, we can't make it a convenience option. This is why, this is why Paul um, says this in Hebrews. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let me just tell you this. Um, people I know, I've been in ministry for years, and I see people uh, come to church for a while, and, and they engage in the church for a while, and then eventually they, they, they stop. Something happens in their life. Um, they mess up in a big way, and they feel guilty, and they feel like, well, I can't come back. People will judge me or whatever. Here's the thing. Nobody knows. We don't know. When you walk through the doors, we, we don't know what you did this week. We're not looking at you judging you. And the truth is, some of us probably did something worse. So give yourself some grace. But, but sometimes people go through something, and they drop off the face of the earth, and they stop coming. And, and then they'll come back about six months later, and they'll say, my, my life, it, it just took this downward spiral. It, it, I stopped coming, and things didn't go well. I, I've never met somebody who said, I stopped going to church, and my life got better. But I've met countless people who said, I stopped going to church, and my life got worse. Paul said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's why we make this a priority, so we can spur one another on to keep going to fight the good fight, to live out this faith throughout the week. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, Paul had to tell Christians um, when the church first started, hey, come to church. <laughs> Here we are 2,000 years later and we're still going through this. But the reason is not because God is, is taking attendance. It's not because if you show up, God claps for you and it's like, yay. He doesn't give you a gold star for showing up. It's not about that. The reason we make this a priority is so that we can feed our spirit and nourish what God wants to do in our life. Because the truth is, again, you're a spirit in a body. What's most important is how you feed your spirit and how you grow into the person God is calling you to be. 
I'll give you some more evidence of this truth. And again, I just want to remind you of who you are. I, I want to show you that you're more than what you see. And we see that evidence in, in the origin of humanity, how God created humanity. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the nishmat chayim, the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The Hebrew word that's used there is nishmat, breath. Chayim is life. God breathed the breath of life into humanity. Uh, later in the Old Testament, we see the Hebrew word ruach, which is uh, another word for spirit. And we see that nishmat and ruach are used interchangeably for this, this breath, this spirit that's been inserted into us. See, when God created humanity, he didn't create you like the animal kingdom. He set you apart. He formed you from the dust of the ground, and he breathed his breath into your lungs. He gave you a spirit. This is true for humanity. You're not an animal. You're a person made in the image of God, and you have a spirit living inside of you, and that's who you are. See, the problem with evolution is this. Evolution is a distraction from the enemy to keep us from knowing where we came from. Because if we don't know where we came from, we can't return there to find out our purpose. See, if, if you could just believe that you came from an amoeba or a monkey, then you're just like the rest of the animal kingdom and nothing sets you apart. But that's not true. The truth is you were created by God and he breathed the, his breath of life into you and deposited a spirit into you. The writer of Ecclesiastes says it this way, that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. The thing that sets you apart from the rest of the animal kingdom is that you have a spirit inside of you. God has placed eternity in your hearts. Like, was there ever a dinosaur who thought, what is the purpose of life? No. Like, is there a water buffalo out right now on a plane and it's like, what if I don't fit in? Is, it, is there a bird flying in some flock somewhere and it's like, does it really have to be this way? No. Why? Because they don't have eternity placed in their heart. They don't have a spirit, but you have a spirit. You're not just a body, but you're a spirit. And if you, if you could forget that truth, if you could believe that you came as a result of an accident, then it'll leave you, lead you to a purposeless life. Pastor, do you really believe that whole creation thing? I do. I do. Because Jesus did. In Mark chapter 10... Verse 6, Jesus was speaking and he said, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Jesus seemed to believe that creation was a real thing. And if Jesus, the Son of God, believed that creation was a real thing, I do too. I don't have time to get into to, to more of that. That's another sermon. And maybe you ask, well, what about all the stuff they taught me in science class? They didn't teach you the evidence for creation, did they? Because there's evidence for creation. See, if the enemy could get you to believe that you were formed as an accident, not created in the image of God, with the breath of God living inside of you, then you'll live a life void of purpose. And that's where he wants you. Living a life that's meaningless, not understanding that you were made for more. See, you're a spirit in a body. You have a purpose and a plan for your life. Let me show you this in a specific way. Uh, we see that King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel, wrote this in Psalm 139. Now, David wrote this about himself, um, but it's true for you as well. And so as I read this, I just want you to imagine um, 
that you're the one writing this. You're the one saying this because this is true for you. David says this, Psalm 139, you search me, Lord, and you know me. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling abandoned, God knows you. He hasn't left you. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. You know me inside and out. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God, you know me better than I know myself. It's too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God, you never leave me or forsake me. And here it is, here it is. For you created my inmost being, not my body, not what's on the outside, not my outmost being, but my inmost being. You created my spirit and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know today that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you know that full well today? I was fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Here's what this says. It says that God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Your mother and father may not have planned you, but God did. You're not an accident. You were made for more than the nine to five grind and living for the weekends. You were made for more than seeing what substance you could put in your body. You were made for more than lowering your standards and giving yourself up to somebody just because they said they love you. You were made for more. You were made for more. You have a greater purpose, a greater plan, a greater destiny. But I think we forget it because we don't remember that. We forget what we were made for. We forget what our purpose is. We, we just don't know why we were designed. You know, when I, when I first started and I talked about how people misuse and abuse gym equipment, what I want to do is I, I do want to go up to them. I don't want to just look at them and laugh at them, but I want to go up to them and I want to say, don't you know what that was designed for? Don't you know why that was created? Don't you know what the purpose for that equipment is? Because if you knew, you'd use it in the proper way and you'd get the results you're trying to achieve. Sometimes I just want to go up to people and I want to say, don't you know what you were made for? Don't you know what you were designed for? Don't you know what your purpose is? Because you were made for more than the life you're living right now. Don't you know? This is what Paul says. He says, don't you know? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit 
dwells in your midst. Don't you know that you are made for more? Don't you know how special you are? Don't you know how unique you are? Don't you know how precious you are in the sight of God? Don't you know? Don't you know? I hope you know today. You know, I have a three-year-old daughter. She'll be four in September. Got a little boy on the way too, May 29, come on. After that, we're done though, we're done, no more. Just two, two is enough. Um, but I make it my goal as her dad to try and instill in her who she is. Try to remind her of her identity. And so I tell her, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're confident. You can figure it out. You can do it. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I remind her of that all the time. We pray for her at night and I say those things. God, we pray that Amaya would know her identity is rooted and found in you. She was made in your image. She has a plan and a purpose for her life. And I want to remind her of those things all the time. Here's why. Because when you understand who you are, then it changes everything. Because what you believe about yourself will determine how you live. I want to tell her who she is so that when some 13-year-old boy comes up to her with some flowers that he bought with money he borrowed from his mom, and he tells my daughter she's beautiful just so he can get in her pants, she can take the flowers and say, thanks for the flowers, but I already know I'm beautiful because my daddy told me. I want to instill in her who she is. I want to remind her who she is so that when she's at school and some kid calls her stupid, she can look around and say, I don't know who you're talking to because I'm smart. My daddy told me. I want to let her know who she is. I want to remind her of her identity so that when life says to her, you can't, she can look life back in its stupid little face and say, no, I can. I'm an overcomer because my daddy told me so. You got to know what your heavenly father says about you. And he says that you were made for a purpose, that you have a plan for your life, and you are destined for even greater things. You were made for more. You were made for more. All I wanted to do today was just remind you of who you are. For some of you, this is the first time that you've heard this. For others of you, you need to cement this in your heart as your identity. You're not just a body, but you're a spirit. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He made you for more. Don't you know that? Don't you know that you were designed, destined for more? Here's why. Because everything is spiritual, even you. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that we're not here by accident. God, we thank you that you knew what you were doing when you formed us. Some of us have some, some have labeled ourselves with the wrong identities. We thought this life was just about this life. We didn't realize and recognize that we're headed somewhere. And so God, today, I pray that everything would shift, everything would change, 
as we realize that we're a spirit and a body headed toward heaven. And God, when the enemy comes at us trying to tell us a different truth, let us respond by saying, uh-uh, because my daddy told me, my daddy told me that I am spiritual. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.